Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. We're starting a new series. We're using Mike Dooley's uh, New York Times bestseller, Leveraging the Universe. And I'll just start out by saying, there's nothing new here. Uh, so you're probably going, well, then why are we using the book, Larry? Uh, you know, it's interesting today. There really isn't anything new in, in a way when you talk about spiritual principles, right? So today, uh, I'll tell you right up front, we're going to talk about God is all there is. That's kind of sounds familiar. We're going to talk about the idea that if God is all there is, well, then that means me because I'm part of that. That's nothing new. And then finally, we're going to end up with, and our thoughts become things. It's like, wait a minute, didn't we do this in January? <laughs> the reason I'm using this book, actually, is because I think he presents it in a fundamentally different way. I was actually surprised when I read through it that I maybe have things a little upside down from time to time using the same principle, but maybe using it in a way that isn't as productive as I would like. And that, that is his thesis. In fact, I'll read, I'll read from the introduction here to, to give you kind of the promise or the thesis of the book. He says, learning the difference between what we can, should, and must do for ourselves and what we can, should, and must delegate to the metaphysical principles that have been around since the dawn of time, that is the secret. Leveraging is about using the gifts of thoughts, words, and deeds to harness God's grace. It's about doing the least physically to get the most metaphysically. It's about learning the truth and then living in it so that the kingdom, the power, the glory all can be revealed before your very eyes as you discover your holy place in creation as a creator. So that's the premise of the book, and I think we're going to have a little fun about it. It's, it's really about authentic power. It's about accepting more grace in our lives. And if we're going to talk about authentic power, of course, I found a joke. And I, I will tell you, sometimes people say, well, where do you get these jokes? Well, you'll notice the new haircut. <laughs> this one came out of a 10-year-old copy of Women's Daily. <laughs> Just... You know, beauty salons, they don't switch out those, uh, those magazines that often. And, uh, and the reason I picked this one, not only I think is it a cute joke, oh, but there's some irony here. So keep in mind, this was written 10 years ago, this joke. Bill and Hillary were going down a back road and stopped at a gas station. As the worker was filling up their car, he said to Hillary Clinton, I went to school with you, didn't I? Well, she recognized him immediately, and the two of them talked about old times. Later, as they were driving down the road, Bill said, If you had married him, you know, you wouldn't be married to the president. Hillary says, Oh, yes, I would. He would be president. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> nothing like a little irony. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting year. Yeah. Okay, so let's start off by what uh, Mike Dooley calls the three pillars 
of truth and power. And really, I've already told you what they are. They're the idea that there only is God, that complete unity of all things. Through most of the book, uh, Mike Dooley calls it the universe. So that all there is is the universe. And that means you, you're a part of the universe. And then the third pillar is that thoughts become things. Okay, so, so right, we're right in science of mind territory. And what I really wanna spend is how he talks about that I think is fundamentally different. And so let's start out with there is only God, that all there is is God. Well, first off, he says, when we do that, if we're not careful, we're just stating a new definition, right? We're not really making a case or proving anything. We're simply saying the entire universe, everything in it, all the principles, all of it, equals God. And I gotta tell you, when you're talking to one of your atheist friends and you, and, and, uh, and, and you present that, they say, you're cheating. You just redefined something. You didn't make it true. <laughs> you just redefined that. That's cheating. That doesn't mean that God exists. You just said there's this whole thing called the universe and you put an equal sign next to it and said, God, <laughs> you know, you might as well have taken the entire universe, put an equal sign next to it and said, you know, it's cat <laughs> or, or, you know, it's like you just made that up. That doesn't count. And Mike Dooley said, uh, even though that is the position of science of mind, it isn't so much to just come up with a definition because he believes the power is more in freeing ourselves from the old ideas of God than it is this fancy new definition. And he goes on to talk about all of the, the really wrong or unuseful or limiting or, or terrible ideas of we have of God from, from our history on the planet, right? The idea that God only speaks to just the Jews or just the Christians or, or just the Muslims, right? In, in, like in Old English or, or in Arabic or whatever it is that, that somehow God represents just a slice of humanity. What a lie that is. Or, or the idea that God is a man. Are, are you like me? Didn't pretty much everyone uh, in this room raised to think of God as he, our father who art in heaven, or some idea of a, of a heavenly father? Well, Dooley says, of course, that this is crazy. It isn't even really what modern people believe. And we really don't think there's a guy on a golden throne with a white beard that's writing in a book, everything you do, has star been good? Or has star, <laughs> well, you look good, <laughs> right? It's not that idea of a, some deity like a, like a glorified or superhuman that's keeping track. And, and Dooley says, and I believe that that is what keeps us down, actually. That's what keeps us small. That's what keeps us from realizing a lot of our authentic spiritual power because God has been portrayed largely as a human with the human foibles and the, the human interest uh, that, that, that we would see. And, and, and so when we, quote, misbehave, we're misbehaving against some godly rules and, and so on and so forth. And of course, we've just made that all up. God isn't a guy in the sky. God isn't keeping track in that, in that crazy way. And, and if we are all part of God, 
that has something important to say here too, right? So first of all, if God is everything that does, then again, back to the idea of just making up definitions, well, then it's got to include me. But does it feel like it includes me? See, here we're back to our humanness again. And so often when I think of God as all there is, I, I accept it that I'm part of it by definition. But gosh, when I look up at the night sky, do I feel like I'm a part of that? Or do I feel like I'm insignificant underneath it? When I, when I think of the power and majesty of the universe, do I feel welcomed into that power and majesty? Or does it just feel like a hollow definition? Am I stepping up to it as an integral part of God? Or am I just feeling the vastness of what it is and therefore just isolated down on my own little planet in my own little home, you know, seemingly separate, feeling separate? I want to use an example of, of upscaling this because uh, we're going to talk about thoughts becoming things in a minute. And what I know is we can only increase our experience of life, whether, whether it's we want more love or more joy or more peace, by what we can actually accept in our heart. And so my example is we generally accept what we have accepted before or what we can imagine. And so my, my friend Sharon Lee Foley here, many of you probably know, she had her knees redone. I, it sounds cosmetic, but she actually needed new knees. Um, when was that, about five years back, six years back? Yeah, and, uh, and so she went to the doctor and oh yeah, we'll schedule in for that. And if I remember right, they said something like, and which one do you wanna start with? And she said, both of them. And the doctor kind of stepped back a minute, right? <laughs> and said, well, you know this is kind of a serious surgery and you probably aren't gonna be able to put any weight on it for up to a week, maybe longer, and, and explain some of us, but Sharon had a plan. She knew exactly how it was gonna go and she had a good idea of how she was gonna be supported with friends and family doing that and she said no. She said no, I, I, it's gonna play out this way. I have a plan for exactly how it'll be taken care of. Well, I still remember getting the phone call from her about two weeks in and she said, Larry, I can't even take a bath by myself. And at first I thought it was an invitation, but then I, I, <laughs> I, I, I re <laughs> but then I realized, no, that really what was happening here was that her how was expanding. She was able now to accept help in a way that she had never really foreseen, right? <laughs> and she still wasn't foreseeing the help coming from here, which is a good thing, but, but nonetheless, her, her plan, her experience of how help can come had suddenly expanded. And, and so she began to involve more than just some of her family members. You know, there were people at church being involved and helping her with, with shopping and other things. And, 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 and so really, uh, although the healing process of her legs, that I think went pretty much as expected. The healing part of how she was in the world suddenly took quite a turn, quite an increase in her ability to both recognize and accept new ways of getting things done in the world. And you know what? Let's say for a minute 
that we weren't the amazing, loving, beautiful community that we were? What if all those phone calls, we had just kind of folded our arms and said, bathe yourself, Missy, or what? I don't, I don't, I'm not used to talking mean to people, but it'd be something, it'd be something like that, I'm sure. You know what I also know is her heart would have opened up to even more ways the universe could have helped her, right? There are such things as home health care. There are such things as meals on wheels. And although that wasn't part of her plan and it turned out she didn't need that, what I know is that as our heart opens to accept more of the universe's good, the universe steps forward in ways that you would have never dreamed, in ways that you wouldn't have even known particularly were possible. The universe is infinite, and it is not because the universe would limit literally miracles from happening to us. It is our acceptance of what's possible and what's likely. And I want to one-up the Sharon story here, and feel free to get it even later. What if, what if she would have opened her heart to a miraculous healing? Now think about this for a minute, because we're good metaphysicians all in this room, right? And we've all had stuff happen, that I know for sure. How often do we actually take into prayer the miracle of whatever it is being corrected like that. Why not just get up and walk? Why not just have the new job today? Why not just have the marriage improve like that? Now those are the kinds of things that most of us would just say, well, I would wish that would happen. I would like that to happen. But instead, we develop plans for how it gets done in the world, don't we? Do you see a little trouble with this? If it, has anyone here uh, gone through the foundations class or meditations in treatment? How would it be if I presented to the, one of those classes? Well, today we're going to pray about a healing. And so I'm going to pray for uh, the 12 people who will get me through the pain and misery. Well, anyone in their right mind in treatment and meditation would say, well, wait a minute. Why are you going to accept the misery and the trouble? Just pray for a spontaneous healing. In real life, though, so often, we simply think that's for other people. That's for other times. That happened in the Bible. That happened when people touched the hem of Jesus' garment. That isn't going to happen today. And so, therefore, if we believe that isn't going to happen today, of course... We have our human backup plans. Mike Dooley's challenging us, though, because he says our human backup plans aren't our backup plan. He's saying that our human plans are the plan, and we're actually shutting the universe out from coming to our aid in nothing short of miraculous ways. Now, 
In January every year, I talk about the, the last topic, uh, the idea of, uh, of really our thoughts becoming things. And you'll remember, for a number of years, I've used the idea of uh, some of our thoughts manifest, and some of them don't seem to, and, and especially the thoughts that just kind of float into our head and drift out. And I always use the example of a blue elephant. I'll say, you know, uh, uh, every year during um, January, I talk about a blue elephant, and then I run over to the window, and nope, the parking lot doesn't seem to have a blue elephant in it. So just our casual, our, our general thoughts, they don't necessarily manifest anything. It's only the things that we pray about with some consistency and some effort. Well, I got to tell you, this last year, I went out the day after that talk, and there was a blue elephant pasted on my windshield. <laughs> and I got to tell you, today... Nothing special about today except that I was going to talk about our thoughts become things. And uh, look what was sitting on my chair. So I have to tell you, thoughts become things. Even the idle ones, even the silly ones, if you persist in them, if you maintain them, thoughts will become things. Now, I think I'm going to work on something, though, nicer than... I mean, this is very nice. Don't get, don't, don't get me wrong. But, uh, but if the power of the universe can bring me a blue elephant, why couldn't it bring me my very heart's desire? You see, it can and if that is something other than our backup plan, if we would promote that, if that would be our primary plan. See, Mike Dooley says it's the hows that get us into trouble. We, something comes up and immediately our human brain wants to figure out how it's going to be resolved. Well, it's gonna, if it's a money issue, it'll be resolved by the how will be I'll work longer or I'll get a second job or I'll get a better job that pays more or, uh, or whatever it is. You know, and our mind just spins around the, the how it's going to happen, how we're going to get it done. If we're uh, like my friend Sharon, when she was setting up for this surgery, she had a, a marvelous plan of how she would be cared for and exactly what the doctor told her to expect and how it was going to play out. We're just full of the hows of life. And that almost invariably assures us that that's what we will get. The universe doesn't have a way of giving us more, of giving it to us in an easier way, of, of getting around our own plans and, and make way for the miracle, make way for the spontaneous healing, make way for the, the brand new job that came out of left field, to make way for someone new stepping into your life that's, that's fabulous and wonderful and, and, and we think dating is going to be terrible or whatever it is. When we have it all figured out, we will lock in that and nothing better than that. So how do we set ourselves free? Part of it is to really keep those dreams big, to really understand that our heart's desire is achievable. Whether it's a, a fabulous new job or the perfect relationship or, a, you, you know, you name it. You name it. Health, heartiness, joy, peace, whatever it is that's in your, uh, in your mental uh, idea of what you want can be had if that's our first plan. 
That's our, that's our what we want and we're sticking to it. And then the freedom comes in by letting go a bit of the house. Now it isn't that we won't participate in life. It isn't that, that we may not have to do anything. It's that the means needs to reveal itself or begin to reveal itself first. It's that we need to be prepared for something truly extraordinary, not for the tiny little steps that a human would take on the planet to laboriously, in a human terms, achieve what's needed. When we do that, that's very likely to be what we're going to get. And we won't notice that to the side of the path that we're on is, is a miracle. And, and to the side of the path on the other side are, are people that would participate with us and bring that about in a, in a collective way that could be more beautiful and more loving. We will simply keep walking in our line with a little bit of blinders on, thinking that's what I expect, that's what I'm most likely going to get. Well, we're going to have some fun this month. So you've learned the first three premises that there is only God, that means me as well, and our thoughts become things. From here on, the book is very practical. It's going to be getting, giving us a lot of ideas how we can experience that greater freedom and allowing the universe to take care of what the universe does so well. It moves mountains. It creates typhoons. It, it has a glacial peace. It has a, a unfettered joy in nature. Uh, the universe provides all of these things when we get out of its way. So I think we're gonna have some uh, fun this month as we explore Mike Dooley's book. I'm gonna close today. Oh wait, homework, yes. The other thing I like about, well you knew it was coming. It was unlikely I'd forget. Uh, the other thing that's kind of fun about Mike Dooley's book, Leveraging the Universe, is at the end of each chapter, it has a bit of homework. And so I'm simply going to assign the homework that, that he would assign in the book. And it's a journaling exercise. And the idea is to prove to yourself that thoughts become things. And so you could do a multi-year experiment in, uh, in Blue Elephant Manifestation, uh, or <laughs> something that would probably be a little quicker is simply to write down some thoughts that are manifesting in your life today. So the idea is look at your life today, what thoughts have already come to pass in your world with regards to your work or career, with regards to relationship, with regards to your home life, with regards to your health and appearance. So in other words, what ways of thinking, what beliefs, what, uh, 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 what, what consciousness is outpicturing right now in what you've got right now? And I think that will help you tie together this idea that as we change our thinking then, we can change our outcomes. I'm gonna close with a, a final quote from Dooley's book. He says, your thoughts become things. They always have and they always will. This, this is your divine inheritance. This is how you can change your life. It's the answer. It's the solution. It's the secret. It's the salvation of all who discover it. As I said at the beginning of this chapter, it reveals where you fit into the equation of reality creation. And that is as a creator yourself. You create your corner of the world and all that you experience. Let us pray.
There is one power and one presence, one, one life, this one, this one thing, we can call it the universe because that's what it is. It's every person, every place, everything, every situation, all of it, the universe. And of course that means me. And I'm right in the middle of it, open to accepting the riches, the, the unfettered and unlimited riches of the universe. All the love, all the joy, all the peace. I'm, I'm connected to it already. It is a part of who I am. And so I simply open my heart to accept more of it, to, to reveal itself to me. This is the, the nature of how it works. This is the nature of thoughts becoming things. And so I accept it in my own life. Blue elephants, joy, peace, riches beyond compare. Truly my heart's desire as I hold it in my mind, as I accept it in my heart, it is mine to experience. And as it is true for me, I know this capability exists for each person in this room. As we let go of our little uh, human formulated limitations and, and how it will be done according to some master plan of mine, as I, as I release that, as the people in this room release some of their preconceived ideas about how things have to happen, the universe steps in boldly. Moving the mountains, creating the miracle, healings occur, unfettered joy blossoms. This, this is the way it works. And so I'm simply grateful, simply grateful to be here in the power and presence of God, even as it's showing up as these people in this room and beyond. And so in gratitude, I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.